Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I am your host, Matt Scaff, and today I am joined by one of my good buddies, Drew Foster. Drew is kind of a, he's a big staple in the jiu-jitsu community. He's known you know, for his work on Reddit. He, he shares and was one of the big influencers on there. He has his own podcast now, and um, I've had him on the show before. I got a lot of messages about people like really enjoying that episode, and the thing about Drew is he's a huge jiu-jitsu nerd. I mean, this dude's been in the game a long time. He's a big like jiu-jitsu historian, as well as myself. Like, I really love like the jiu-jitsu history and like watching old matches and kind of you know understanding the history of movements or you know schools or even just jiu-jitsu beefs. You know, I found all of it really interesting. So excited to have Drew on today. We're going to really be talking a lot about ADCC. ADCC in 2022 is uh, this year is going to be the biggest ADCC ever. I mean, what Mo Jazim and those guys are doing, it seems like this is has the potential to put jujitsu on the map. But Drew, I just want to kind of start off like, what was the first ADCC you watched and um, what what's so special about ADCC in your mind? Uh, the first one, I thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, dude, the first ADCC I saw was actually it kind of got me into training. I was watching like the Ultimate Fighter, I think, which came on TV in like 2005. Also, with some of this historian stuff, I just have a crazy memory. I realized the other day, like, I remember my best friend from high school, I remember like their license plate number like just it's just i can just picture it so I, a lot of these dates and stuff i don't know why they just don't really leave my head but i was watching the ultimate fighter in 2005 2006 something like that and then i remember like youtube whenever youtube first came out adcc was like i was watching some mma videos and in the related videos there were like adcc 2005 and 2007 highlights so those would have been the first like footage pieces of adcc that i saw the first one i remember 2009 was live streamed by budo video i'm sorry budo videos i maybe they streamed it maybe they didn't that was the first one that i saw live and it was like 240p quality really bad quality you can probably find a couple pieces of footage of it on there but that was the first one that happened that i saw while i was training you know, where you could tune in and watch it. Yeah, it's funny. ADCC is, uh, has always been so mythical to me as just being a pure no-gi guy. Like, this was always been billed from, you know, Eddie Bravo to, you know, when I first started, it was all no-gi. So mm-hmm. I was aware right when I first started training is, you know, my first gym was a no-gi. You know, we only did no-gi. And then obviously being with 10th Planet for, you know, decade plus, um, it's always been the big one is ADCC. And so I, I remember, you know, 2011 was the first time that, that I tuned into ADCC. I believe that was, that was Barcelona or Birmingham, England. Uh, that was England. Yeah, yeah. So I always get those two mixed up, which one, when it was, so yeah, that was, that was, uh, the Barcelona was the one before that. Yeah. 2009. I always get those two mixed up. Like which one was which, but, um, that, that was the first one that I tuned into and I wasn't really like, I just heard about it. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was probably about a year into training at that point and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a hardcore like watching footage or anything like that. I just wanted mm-hmm. to check it out to see what the Olympics of our sport looked like. And it was, uh, really interesting. You know, my first big takeaway is, you know, obviously 
most of the guys being shirtless, you know, you, you got half the competitor shirtless and just half the dudes looking like they've taken all the supplements in the world. Um, but I, I really want to even go back even further, you know, obviously me and you weren't in the sport when ADCC originated, but you know, do you have any clue like where that came from? Like where ADCC came from and, and like, when did it become a big deal in the community? Can you remember like, or like I know, I, yeah, I know some of this. So the the first jujitsu book I ever had, it had uh, Hinzo Gracie and Hoyler Gracie on the front, and I think John Donaher, uh, like ghost wrote the book, or maybe it was even credited. And they talked a lot in the beginning about Hinzo Gracie was running his academy in Manhattan, and a guy either in grad school or I think it was grad school came in named Ben. And and was training for a while, and at a certain point, Ben was like, "I'd like you to come back to my to my country." And I'm from Abu Dhabi, and you know, Henzo flew over there. And then when Henzo got there, he was like, "Wow, they're treating this guy like royalty, like they're rolling out the red carpet for him." But and then he found out this guy is like the sheik of Abu Dhabi. And I think while Henzo was there, uh, and it was he called himself Ben because it was like Mohammed bin, some you know. It, I I don't know the full name, but I think he asked Henzo, hey, I would like to put together a rule set for just mixed grappling styles. Can you help me come up with a rule set? And uh, so they they tried to come up with a rule set that didn't totally favor jujitsu. They wanted, you know, there's some weird rules in there. Like if you get a, a takedown that lands you past the guard, it's four points. So they wanted to give like wrestlers and judo guys a chance. And um, so I think Henzo helped come up with the rule set. And the first few ones were 98 through 2001. It was every year. It wasn't an event yet. That was every other year. So 98, 99, 2001, those were consecutive. They, it, they used to have ADCC every year. And then after 9-11, I don't know what what the specific reasoning was, but after 9-11, they moved it to every other year and they started moving it around instead of actually having it in Abu Dhabi. It was in ADCC, if anyone listening doesn't know, it stands for Abu Dhabi Combat Club. And uh, yeah, I guess after 2001, they moved it out of the Middle East and then they started rotating it around where it would go to other countries and, you know, 03, 05, 07, and then, as you know, and as I'm sure your listeners know, with COVID, you know, we had to miss it last year. It was on the odd-numbered years, but now it's going to be on the even-numbered years. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, it's always had this really interesting history with being connected to, you know, uh, the royal family of you know, Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi. And it's crazy because a lot of the, the history and especially a lot of the money came. Yes. Like if you won ADCC, you know, I know the purse for a long time has been 40,000, right? You, when you're, you, when you, the, your weight group, you win 40,000, but more importantly, you get really crazy opportunities to do private lessons with some of the Royal family. Mm. And, I know tons of guys and you can see there's been footage, you know, of guys like Henzo and, you know, ADCC champions being flown out there. And you know, I've heard crazy numbers everywhere from like, you know, they're paying like $10,000 a day to even numbers that are even higher than that. 
And I know I think at one point they offered Marcelo Garcia just like an absurd amount of money, but he just like wouldn't go. Like the, they really wanted to bring Marcelo in for even just like a couple of weeks and he just wouldn't leave. You know, the, the they, they couldn't even tempt him with, you know, figures that would reach hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I've always found that super crazy that like there is this, especially at that time, like the royal family, like the sheik of one of the sheiks of, of uh, you know Abu Dhabi, you know, was a huge grappling fan and was a black belt, and he would just bring these guys in, and he's basically giving them a year's salary in like a week or two, you know, for for winning this ADCC prize. Yeah, but I, I I hadn't heard that story about Marcelo. I've heard a few crazy stories about. Uh, I've heard a few directly from people where they were talked about. You know, I was out there for a week and got paid a lot, and I even heard one. I don't want to mention the guy's name, but I heard one from a fairly well-known guy where he said he almost felt like a little bit uncomfortable at the end, like with the amount that was given him that he started feeling like, uh, oh, like this person might want like more from me than just these private lessons. And I'm starting to feel like I can't say no. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that he didn't go back out there. Actually, he was like a, a little bit almost like overwhelmed by it. Um, and I think they even do jujitsu in the schools out there, man. I think it's in the public school system. So it's definitely a big, uh, a big scene. I know Hafa Mendez, who is, you know, probably my favorite grappler to watch. I know you're a big fan too. That, that Barcelona one, the first one I saw, that was the first time I had ever seen Hafa. I had never heard of him before. Cause you know, like you mentioned that there wasn't like a big scene out there to follow back at that time. But I just remember watching him like rip through everyone. And he and Cobrinha had that crazy finals match. And then after he won, I know the Sheik like invited him out for like a week and probably paid him a ton. And, you know, there's some, there might be some old footage on YouTube of like him out there being filmed, doing some crazy stuff out there or something like that. So yeah, a lot of guys definitely used to make money out there that way. Yeah, the first three years, uh, to me, those are kind of like the dark ages of it because, you know, uh -huh. it was in Abu Dhabi. Um, the, the footage is, I don't know, just looks way older than even like late 90s. It looks like it could be from like the 70s. You know, you watch some of those Jean-Jacques match. You watch like a Jean-Jacques match and you're like, dude, this could have happened. If you would have told me this happened in like 1978, I would have been like, okay, like it, it kind of looks like that. I don't really like know gold much. ceilings and stuff, yes. you know, just like weird, weird looking architecture. Yeah, dude, it, it definitely, I don't know. It's just, it looks completely different than especially what it's going to look like in 2022. But I don't really know much. You know, obviously I know like most of the champions from those years, but I haven't watched most of the matches. To me, where it really began, where I've watched a lot of them is that 2003. And all the guys that I know that are really like deep into the game that are kind of considered OGs, 03 is the one that they watch. They remember watching because it was outside okay. of Abu Dhabi. I know a lot of my cousin, who's a black belt under Gokor, actually was at that 03 one. Um, you know, it was in uh, California, right? And that was where Marcelo first, like, really made his name. You know, like, Marcelo became – I know I remember Eddie Bravo and people like that saying, like, they went to that 03 one and they just – they'd never heard of Marcelo Garcia. And he just went and just absolutely – just displayed jujitsu that, you know, you could tell he was he was going to be special. You know, he he displayed a, a level of jujitsu that just hadn't really been seen. And what he did, you know, obviously winning his weight bracket, and then you know, he just 
completely blew, you know, a lot of, you know, these guys' minds with the techniques that he was displaying, you know, choking guys without the hooks and, you know, doing all these things. So for me, it's like 03 is kind of like the beginning of ABCC in my mind because that's like where the first like real star was. Yeah. You know, Marcelo Garcia really came from that 03 and 05 ABCC. So. Yeah, 100%. And I think with when you speak of the dark age ones too, I, I don't even think you can watch all those matches, man. I know UFC Fight Pass has some of like the late 90s, early 2000s ones on there but it's like a best of, and you might get like four or five matches from each one. I don't think, and they're not on DVD. So I don't, I think a lot of those matches are just kind of like lost with the sands of time. You know, Eddie Bravo even had a match with, um, he had at least one or two matches before like the famous Hoyler Gracie match, but I don't think you can find those filmed anywhere. I've seen pictures of them in like Eddie's old books, like pictures of the matches, but I've never seen the footage. And yeah, Marcelo was, um, yeah, he's, I think he, he was like, that's how so many people got put onto him. You know, he was, he was the king. And for a long time, ADCC, they only had white mats. And I just remember like early on reading, people would be like, Marcelo's the king of the white mats. Like when you see the white mats, you know, Marcelo's just going to crush everybody. Um, so yeah, dude, he had like mythical, mythical status. What's funny, the Eddie Bravo match is a great one to, you know, because a lot of people really don't understand Eddie's story, you know, going in there. You know, Eddie won the West Coast Trials. He, I think he won three matches and he finished, I want to say like two twisters in that run. Okay. Brown belt. You know, he went and did ADCC as a brown belt. And a lot of people just think he had that match with Hoyler and that was it, you know, because that's the only one they ever talk about. But then there's a lot of haters that are like, well, after that match with Hoyler, he got absolutely crushed by Leo Vieira. So I remember there's some footage of him and Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan was with him, um, you know, down there. At, I believe that ADCC was in, was it in Brazil? It was in Brazil, yeah. Yeah, so it was in Brazil. And I remember Joe Rogan being like, dude, you made it to the second day because he had, like, beaten Hoyler to make it to the second day. So for him, like, he'd already okay. won the championship. And so, but in his first match, I can't remember the gentleman's name. I, he was a world champion at the time too. Like he had won world championships. So Eddie, Dude, I he, think it was a no, I think it might've been, cause I used to be in Nova and uh, and I think it was, I think it might've been Gustavo Dantas, man. Yes. I, it was somebody like that. That was a world champion. Okay. And so he beat that guy and then he beat Hoyler. So, and like Eddie was not expecting to make it to the second, nobody I should say expected Eddie to make it to that second day. So I just remember them being like, and Joe Rogan being like, "Dude, you made it to the second day! Like, holy shit, you know." And then that second day, he runs into Leo Vieira, and Leo Vieira just absolutely destroys him. You know, he beats him like twenty nothing on points, and that's what the haters are kind of like. Well, what happened with Leo Vieira? Leo Vieira beat him twenty zero. I mean, well, too like I'm sure I didn't mean to cut you off, but dude, like. Leo would have shredded anybody at that time, you know? Like, I think he's, I know he's won it at least two times, maybe three times. And he's just, dude, Leo's a a machine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that takes away from it. But yeah, a lot of guys kind of, there's a handful of these ADCC guys that, especially, you know, from 2000 to, you know, 2001 to 2011, that get kind of lost. And Leo Vera is definitely one of them. You know, he got overshadowed sure. by Hoffa and Cabrinha, but, you know, he, he was a champion in his own right. And 
honestly, like, you know, you, you mentioned that Cabrinha Hoffa match, but that Leo Vieira Hoffa match was, you know, in my mind, it's one of my Good 10 match. favorite matches ever. Uh, that back shake that Hoffa hits, like on that, that 10 minute mark, it's, it's just insanity. And especially thinking about, like, you know, you have Leo Vieira, this, you know, ADCC champion, and you got this 18 year old kid that, you know, ends up finishing him in regulation. I, I want to, you know, kind of look like in from that time period, you know, 2001 to 2011, who do you think the most slept on grapplers are? Like, who are the guys that in your mind, like, people just have forgotten about? What years? 2001 to 2011. So, you know, after Ooh. Abu Dhabi, just the guys that, you know, like a Leo Vieira that just, you know, he's forgotten. Nobody ever talks about Leo Vieira. Yeah. That guy's a so, champion. The crazy thing, too, I, I, I'll, I'll answer the question, but um, th- with that Leo Vieira Hoffa match, Leo and Hoffa, I think, had some history at that point, too, as far as like training together. So I think, you know, a lot of people th- might have thought, uh, you know, that Leo was like the big brother type and he was going to, you know, still had. And yeah, that Hoffa finished him impressive. Leo had like a really sick like anaconda choke defense in that match too that I still use from from seeing that match. Uh, for, man, t- so yeah, he's Leo Vieira's got to be on the list. He and this guy Hunter Yaya, who I think is still in the UFC, they had a rivalry where they traded ADCC finals like back and forth. Who won gold for a while? Um, I think Pablo Popovich. Um, had like a rivalry with Marcelo lost most of the matches, but won one, but he was like always in the finals and won it. Um, uh, 2001 to 2011 trying to think Cause see, I also don't pay a ton of attention. I know Ricardo Arona gets listed a lot because I think he won like the absolute without getting scored on. Uh, he was never a grappler that I like personally watched a lot. Um, or had like a, a ton of like interest in his game. Uh, you know, Hodger Gracie gets mentioned a lot, I guess, for that, you know, 2005 double gold performance. So I guess he wouldn't be like yeah, underrated or forgotten about. Yeah. Cause I feel like guys like Braulio and yeah. Hodger, like people remember. People know. Yeah. Guys, you know? Um, Dude, he didn't win. He didn't win it. But Barrett Yoshida, I think, did every single ADCC from the first one until like seventeen or nineteen. Like participated in all of them. I always thought that was pretty impressive, even if he didn't, you know, ever win it. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy because oh, there's man. definitely some guys being lost. You know, it's funny. You know, I know you this you know this guy really well, but I feel like Jeff Glover is kind of being lost throughout history. I feel like that's a name that, you know, most people, because he really hasn't done anything over the past five years, you know, and, and, you know, he's, I remember he was huge, you know, in those, those two thousands. And then obviously he was kind of winding down about 2015 is kind of when he was near that match with Gio where Gio slammed him. That was kind of Jeff. I think that was his last run. I think it was, but I mean, Jeff, especially in that 2000, you know, late 2000s, mid 2000s, late 2000s was, you know, arguably the most influential grappler. You know, you'd probably put Marcelo Garcia in and there might be a case that it was Jeff Glover. You know, Jeff Glover with the path and the Darces and the, I mean, his influence on grappling was, is still, you know, I mean, he's, he's had one of the, the deepest impacts on grappling. 
Yeah, he had he had that guillotine on uh, Hobbs Moore too for like a bronze medal, I think, or some silver or bronze something, or yeah, something bronze, I guess. And um, you know, when someone is like uh, body lock passing you, and you kind of reach behind and scoot the hips out and get that guillotine, and I, I use that guillotine a lot from seeing that match. I know that was like a big win that he had there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely super influential there. Um, and you mentioned Leo Vera. I think they had a match that was like a pretty classic one there too. Jacare, Jacare is a, a um, I think he won it. And then I think he got like double silver. No, yeah, yeah, he won it and then lost to, uh, he won his weight class in 05 and lost to Hodger in the finals mm-hmm. of the Absolute. And I think Jacare submitted like pretty much everybody when he did it there. So I would say Jacare's a forgotten about guy too. Yeah, um, it, it's fascinating, you know, um, and, and kind of thinking about these guys' performances now. Like if you just think about champions it's really interesting to kind of that debate of like who the ADCC goat is, you know? So we start thinking now about just like the most influential champions, you know, there's a handful. I think that, you know, obviously Andre Galvao and Gordon Ryan are the spotlight of 2022 because they're they're the super fight and they've got this crazy beef and everything. And then, you know, you've got guys like JT now who's won multiple, um, you you had Hodger win double gold. You had Braulio, and double gold. Um, you know, there's only a couple of those guys though, but like in, who, in your mind, who were like the who's your ADCC goat? Like who's your top three? Like if you had to rank like ADCC goats, who, who are the guys that you look at? Dude, I'll argue more. I think Marcelo's the goat, and I'll argue it pretty ferociously. Uh, you know, if if Gordon wins, you know, the weight class and the super fight this time, you know, I might have to you know, let that, let that speak for itself. But dude, I'll give you a couple crazy Marcelo stats. Cause I did a podcast episode called the parable of Marcelo Garcia a couple weeks ago. And I did a bunch of research on him like less just a couple weeks ago. So he had 27 wins at ADCC submitted 24 of them. The only two people he ever had matches with at ADCC that he beat not by submission are Henzo Gracie and a guy named Leo Santos. Um, and he, he had a match with Kron where he didn't submit him, but he had a match where he did. So besides that, 24 matches, won them, won them in maybe the most, uh, in the deepest weight class, 2007, submitted his way through his weight class, submitted his way to the finals of the absolute, only person to uh, submit themselves all the way to the finals of that being so small, smallest person by at least a weight class to make the absolute finals. And I think I give him a lot of props too, because he was like creating techniques at the same time and putting all of his roles and all of his lessons online where, where his competition could watch them, watch all of his roles, see what he was doing. And they still couldn't figure out how to beat him. And he was basically submitting everybody with like, three or four techniques, you know, rear naked chokes, guillotines, north-south chokes, arm bars, and, like, pretty much nothing else. So, I don't know, man. Marcel is, the, is just crazy impressive to me. But um, besides him, I, I guess I would say, like, yeah, Braulio Estima, Hodger Gracie, Gordon Ryan, the and, and Andre Galval. Those would be my, my four besides Marcelo. 
Yeah, I, I think Marcelo probably gets a nod. I'm not the big I Marcelo's the man. I, I you have to kind of be a fan. I'm uh-huh. not the biggest Marcelo fan. I'm not the like, I'm a diehard Marcelo guy. I watch tons of Marcelo footage. Do you um, mind if I ask why? Is there a particular reason? Um, I'm not sure. You know, it's it's I watch Marcelo and I just don't get that same. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't get that same interest that I do when I watch okay. like Hoffa or Gordon or Braulio. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know why it's just okay. maybe a little bias. I don't know why I would have a bias. It's just, he doesn't. I mean, you're not the only person to say this, man. My good friend Gil, that's actually a black belt under Hoffa is I, I think he's like, he's like, no, I know he's awesome. But when I watch him roll, I just don't get the same sense of like, uh, all that, I, that when I other people the watch explosiveness. him. He's, uh, Marcelo is insanely okay. explosive where I, I watch more like Braulio and I'm always more at the flowy type, even though Hoffa, right? Like it looks like more like a dance. Yeah. And, uh, Braulio looks more like an octopus, you know, it just looks like yeah. everything's so much, I, elegance i guess is the word where marcelo is just like boom yeah boom. i can you dig know, it he's doing I his mean, techniques like like i i just think about the passing that he does it's like it's crazy his timing and explosiveness on those because it's like the most simple passes if you study marcelo you'll get like these passes that are like incredibly simple they're not very intricate but it's like only he can do it at the level he does you know what i'm saying like some of those like baseball bat like the baseball bat slide that he does Dude, he's passed some of the best dudes in the world with a baseball slide. Uh, I don't Fires that need through, slide. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a technique that I've never seen anybody else make work. And it's so simple. Like, it's just a baseball slide. Yeah, man. I mean, I've actually, I've pushed back on people a little bit because I've heard people say, like, Marcelo's game can work for anyone. Blah, blah. And I mean, I'm not saying it can't, but there's a lot of stuff that he does that is attribute-based. I mean, when people are like, Oh, Marcelo's just got a great game for anybody. It's like, I mean, he's very explosive and a lot more a- athletic and powerful than, uh, than I think sometimes people think maybe, you know, I, I completely agree. And, you know, you look at him because if you just took, you know, a, a 77 kg, like a group of 16 of them, just random, you know, just shows random dudes you'd probably look at Marcel and might think he's the worst athlete. I mean, you just look at him and he doesn't look athletic at all. He doesn't look like jacked or anything like that. And you watch him move though, his balance. And again, his explosiveness. It, 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 he looks like he, he's got NFL level explosiveness when I watch him. Like I, I, of all the guys I've ever seen grapple, there's only a few, maybe guys like, um, there's very few guys that to me are as explosive as Marcelo Garcia. Yeah, I, he. I mean, he might be. He's top three, I think, as far as just like that fast twitch, like explosive movement goes. I've never rolled with him, but he's one of the few people where I've seen his rolling footage and like had to check to make sure it wasn't sped up at certain points. So I'm like, oh, did I accidentally put this on like a faster speed? And it's like, oh nope, it's normal speed. He's just like bl- blasting. Insane. Yeah, it is insane. No. The blasting, he blasts through dudes. And you can tell like overwhelms because I, I think most people just, you can't replicate that in the gym, like how explosive he is. And you'll just even see the world champions go there and they just, they can't even really hang. There's very few guys that have been able to hang on the mats with Marcelo. And again, his techniques are, have been 
revolutionary in the sport but at the same time it's like he's got those techniques plus world-class explosiveness and you know that made him i'm with you you know i think if you're talking about adcc goats it's marcelo has to be number one you know there's a couple of guys that are close right but marcelo's resume speaks for itself and people that put andre alval there i'm like look you know andre's obviously top five he's had incredible adcc success but the wins and the way that he's won it's not it doesn't even compare to what marcelo was able to do i also think going through the brackets is more impressive than having like a one-off match and that's no i mean it's it's very impressive too to have a one-off match against somebody that was the best at the previous adcc but i think if you can prepare for one person and you just go in there to do that one match brackets are so crazy like you can run the same bracket 10 times and get you probably won't get 10 different results but i mean you could have like three or four different people realistically win a bracket if you just play it out you know 10 different times so i think it's really impressive when somebody can go in and just win brackets over and over and galval for so long just you know he's he's been in the super fight for so long i think 2011 was the last time he ran the brackets and it was crazy impressive but um but yeah with the, with a lot of the super fight every time also the super fight happens at the end of the event it's the very last match of the weekend and a lot of times i think people are kind of tired by then and you know i'm sorry maybe they do run it as the last match on the first day but either way it does seem like i'm not the only person that uh uh prefers watching the brackets yeah the the bracket to me is where it's at the adcc super fight isn't to me i'm way more fascinated with this just because gordon's talking about doing his weight and then doing the super fight but let's look at some like iconic matches like in your mind like just what are like you know just like three or four like iconic matches you know you're going to show somebody they've been training a couple years they they really um you know they're starting to get like deeper and deeper into grappling like what are some of those adcc iconic matches that you think are like must watch um okay i mean my my personal favorite is is the Hafa Mendez Cabrinha 2009 match. It was both of their first ADCCs, and they both submitted their way to each other in the finals. Uh, the Hafa Mendez Leo Vieira match you mentioned is a semifinal match. It's worth watching too. But in that finals with Cabrinha, they they went the full 20 minutes. Um, lots of submission attempt from both guys. Hafa had like super deep anacondas darces cabrinha had a couple of tight 50 50 heel hooks and they hadn't had a ton of matches at this point so you know i think they ended up probably having like 12 or 13 matches together and they got more boring kind of as time went along because they like figured each other out but at this point they were still like kind of recklessly just going after each other and then it like first overtime it was it was tied at the end of regulation there's i think it was like a bunch of sweeps each and so it went to ot and then double ot and finally hoffa gets like a back take with two minutes left and is like going for a rear naked choke when time runs out i don't know that one's pretty classic to me um uh the uh the marcelo garcia uh pablo popovich match that marcelo actually loses um 
Pablo's like gripping the rash guard and the shorts. And it's like the only time where you can see Marcelo actually get mad. Uh, I, I think um, he loses to a guard pass with like 10 seconds left in the match. That's a, it's a really exciting match. Um, uh, lots of back and forth action, I'm trying to go up the weight classes and try to think of like a classic one of each. So the Hoffa Cabrinho is 66 kilograms. Marcelo Pablo is 77. 88. Dude, I don't know. The Craig Jones Le- uh, Leandro Low match mm. is, a, is a great one to show anybody getting into it. Um, that was like Craig's breakout breakout performance that kind of got people paying attention to him. Um, sick match. You know, uh, Leandro's just driving in for these passes and kind of runs himself into a heel hook that Craig uses to take the back and, you know, get the rear naked choke. So for 88 kilograms, I really would show people that one. Uh, that was 20. That was what What year was Finland? Uh, that was 2017. Okay, so that would be 2017. And then 99 kilos. Um, man, I'll say Hodger, Hodger Gracie. Uh, Hodger Gracie Jacare, the, maybe the 05 absolute finals. And... Um, Man, plus 99. I don't really pay that much attention to plus 99. Um, oh, man. I don't know. What, right when we get done thinking of it, I'm going to nah, think of all the, these matches probably, that come to mind. By the Vinny match, right? Where Vinny beats. Uh, oh, Verdun. yeah. Yeah, Vinny Verdum. Yeah, with the arm bar attempt. Yeah, yeah, and then he yeah. and then he uses the rubber yeah. guard to sweep and gets a sweep. Yeah, that's the only one. Yeah. The that's a good one. That's kind of like when people are like, the rubber guard doesn't work. And I always hear Brandon like he'll just be like, Well, what about Vinny using it on Verdum in the finals to get the sweep to win ADCC gold at the heavy you know? So, it's uh, the de- the default one. What about absolute? What's what's your favorite absolute um, match? Oh yeah, Cron Gracie, Marcella Garcia, two thousand nine is a killer one. Uh that's top five. So you got to bump out something I said for that one. Uh, you said absolute. Yeah. Um, absolute, absolute. What do we got? I'm trying to think of some recent ones. Uh, oh, um, I mean, I'm not mad at the, uh, I'm not mad at the Gordon Ryan uh, match with Felipe Pena mm. from, from Finland. That was a good one. Gordon's match with Cyborg, I think, is kind of a – it was a quick match um, where Gordon gets the heel hook, but I think that match got a lot of people into leg locks because of Donaher being on Joe Rogan's podcast and mm-hmm. breaking that match down, like, frame by frame. I think that match got a lot of people that didn't do leg locks thinking, like, okay, I think we probably have to at least learn some of this. I think that was probably like a pretty impactful match, even if it was like not ultra competitive. Yeah. So, you, you know, I think the one that like is always shown is, you know, Marcelo Rico Rodriguez too, you know, Oh Marcelo yeah. Makes Rico's back and, you know, you just got this giant Rico and he just does a, you know, backwards jump, you know, and everybody's booing and then Marcelo ends up getting the heel hook. Like that, that's a lot. That, yeah. That's a sick match too, man. Dude, there's a lot. It's weird when you're like on the spot trying to think of them, they kind of slip. But then as soon as it, you say something, I like think of another one. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's a classic like, one. I mean, Marcelo Craig Jones, you know, the Craig Jones match with the Andrew Lowe is one of the best matches ever, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. 
Absolutely. Thinking about it. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, I'm trying to think, dude, a lot of, there were a lot of really good ones in, in 2019. Um, uh, Gary Tonin versus um, Canuto was a really, really fun match. Yeah. So I want to kind of talk about this, right. Um, No, I, I, uh, you saw, right. Like to me, there was this two year gap in ADCC or excuse me, I guess two events that were just absolutely terrible. The uh-huh. China one, the one in Beijing, was the worst ADCC of all time. The matches were boring. There was nobody there. There was no excitement. There was it. It made me really reconsider professional grappling. It really did. You know, this is supposed to be the Olympics of our sport, and I just remember the quality of, um, you know, the the of what they were live streaming with, and then they're being they're just at an empty gym in Beijing, and the matches were again just horrible just absolutely horrible and i felt like the year before that too was also like there was just this kind of period where i felt like people weren't going for submissions and they were just going for ot wrestling like decisions like they were just trying to win by decision i mean i remember watching guys just they'd get on top and they would just not even try and pass because they knew based on adcc rules that if they took and did the match and stayed on top then they were going to get the decision. And I felt like everybody was playing that way. I don't know what year Claudio Calasans won absolute. It was one of those two years, but he won it without scoring a point. The absolute. Yeah. Which I don't think has happened before or since. Yeah, that China one, that that one had some duds in it. I I, think Mendes Sanchez might have done that too. I think he might have won gold. He did. I think he did win gold. So him and Claudio... That's what I'm saying. Like those performances, it's like, man, there was just a couple years, like two, three events where people's strategy wasn't to, it was just to game the rule set. You know, people complain about like EBI because guys are going to stall and just try to get like two OT so they can start on the back of the arm bar. Well, guys were in ADCC were stalling to get to the OT and they were just going to, I mean, they were just trying to win decisions. So you're you're right, man. I remember with that that the one in China, I was a, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, and with like the big twelve hour time difference, I had to you know stay up like a weird hours to try to watch it live, and it only happens every two years. And I just remember I was watching the live stream, and I remember she like looked over and she was just like, "That's like that's the Olympics of like your sport, like." in an empty gym with no one there with, and it's like streaming on a, it was like a really bad stream quality that year or something, but yeah, it was, it was bad. I just remember she was like, Oh, like that's not impressive. And I was just kind of embarrassed. I was like, Oh, it, it honestly, it really made me lose my desire to like, cause my goal used to be like, I want to compete at ADCC. Yeah. And just a couple of those shows, like, because again, like when I was really heavily competing, it was like 2013, 2015, and a little mm-hmm. bit. But I didn't really, I mean, I got my black belt in 2017. So I've only competed once at black belt. So I was kind of done. And again, I really felt like a lot of, you know, that, that, those shows, because I was like, this is the pinnacle of our sport. What am I doing? You know, like, I, I mean, I, I'm spending all this time and effort to like try and like, get to this tournament where then half the dudes there are just stalling to get to OT, you know, where then we have to both stand up and they're going to either look to get a takedown 
last second or they're going to try and just win a decision based on like activeness, you know, and the stand up. So I really felt like that negatively impacted the sport. But then once we saw the influence of the submission only no gi guys in 2017 and then 2019, I really feel like ADCC is honestly never been more exciting. I mean, that 2000 ADCC, like you said, 2019 was incredible. Super awesome. With with the, uh, I mean, yeah, with the exception of getting to see like a few of my favorite grapplers ever, like Hoffa and Marcelo, I I like the the past two, I think have been like the most fun to watch, like just by far match for match. Like there's way more people in the crowd. The production value is higher. And even like you said, people are like really going for it and there's a lot more action. And if there's not a submission, there's a lot more people that you just feel like are kind of going for the kill, you know? Oh, man. I, I mean, Ty, Ty Tolo versus Kennedy Masiel, that match right there. I, I mean, I Crazy. could watch that match a hundred times. Like, that match had everything in it. And I just felt like a lot of the old guard, like guys like Claudio, you know, Calisons, and just a lot of the guys that had used those strategies in the early, you know, uh, decade, um, you know, early 2010s, you know, 2011, 2013, like they weren't back. And we just had this new young blood. You know, there was just so many like new, young, hungry and sub only guys because all the Nogi tournaments, you know, so a lot of those guys in their defense, I mean, they weren't training Nogi, right? Like most of those dudes weren't training Nogi in 2011. They were training no. 90 you know, five to 90, even 99% of the time. And then they would take the gi off, but they still were doing the same techniques. Yeah. Even until the influence of like EBI and sub only no gi jujitsu that we started to see a lot more people change the style and the way that they grappled. And they started hunting submissions more. And then especially now, I think we're seeing that the guys that get submissions, I mean, they're rewarded in the community. These are the guys that are getting invited on to like flows making, trying to make these guys stars. They're not trying to make, you know, some of these dudes, like, especially the guys that are trying to win on points trying to win by decisions. Like they're not pushing those guys. They're trying to invite the Rotolos to every single event. They're trying to push the name of Ty and Cade out there to the world, Mika and these young up and comers. And that's, what's got me super excited for this upcoming ADCC because I mean, let's just look now at 2022, right? Because I really think that this uh, ADCC has a chance to change the landscape of grappling. You know, we just saw Gordon Ryan. who has got a hundred thousand dollar sponsor. Um, I heard about that. A lot of people are getting like big sponsorships. I know they're almost sold out. They might even be sold out. I mean, they're expecting like 20,000 people at this event. Um, there's just fans in the crowd. And I think it's going to be our first look at like what professional grappling could be. Yeah. Um, favorites going in. So 2022, who who are your favorites in, in, in each division? So you got 66, 77. I mean, those are obviously the two main ones that everybody's talking about. Well, and I should also say 99 with you know Gordon Ryan and Felipe Pena and those guys, um, everybody trying to stop Gordon. Yeah. I might need a couple reminders of, of who's in a couple of these brackets, but real quick, it's just going to say, I think you're exactly right. And I, I think I've always said when those couple years where ADCC was kind of slow, people were like, Oh, ADCC is boring. I'm like, it's the people involved. It's not, you can, 
you can take an exciting rule set and put the wrong people in it and it's not exciting or you can take a boring rule set and put the Rotolos in every match and it's going to be crazy, you know? So, but, um, yes. All right. So this year, 2022, uh, for 66, I've heard a lot of people aren't going to be in it. I've heard Paula Meow is not in it. I've heard Tanquino, the guy that won gold last time I've heard he's, he's out. Um, so I might need a little refreshers on who's in, on who's in this one. I know Ryan Hall is going to be in there. Um, uh, yeah, Abate's in. Um, in. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Charles. Yeah, Cole's in. I'll go ahead and I'll just I'll pull up. The, yeah, could you pull something up? Yeah. So let me see. Um, but I know seventy-seven. I kind of know seventy-seven. Uh, me too. Okay. Yeah. So seventy-sevens. I mean, insane. I mean, you got Cade Rutolo, Mika Galval, Dante Leon, Gary Tonin, um, JT got, Torres, he, Lucas yeah. Lepre. Yeah, so it's going to probably be Lucas Lepre's last run, and I, I mean, he's definitely a fan favorite, um, and a lot of people are going to be hoping he has a really, really strong showing. But I mean, everybody's talking about those kids. You know, I would like to see Roberto or Cade uh, make the finals. It, it, at least make the finals. Honestly, I I'm ready for some of the young blood to just run the scene. Like, um, I really am. I like all the kids that are coming up. Uh, I've seen a lot of people predict that Mika, you know, could could take the whole thing. Obviously, I think JT Torres is probably a good favorite for 77 kilograms. He's coming off a repeat uh, of winning in 2017 and 2019. Don't think he got scored on either time. So it's kind of hard to bet against him. But I think man, Nicky Ryan's I, an interesting name, you know, because Nicky's okay. been – I mean, what he did to Dante Leone in that match was was fascinating. I mean, he just absolutely dominated. And Roberto, too. I mean, Roberto... Uh, Roberto oh, dude, Roberto's in there. Against, That's right. Yeah, and he's undefeated against the Rutolos. Like, to me, he's the Rutolos kryptonite. But I think so, too. He has that huge hole in his leg locks. But there's something about, like, Roberto... It's kind of like he big brothers the Rutolos. And the matches I've seen, like, at Third Coast, and then who's numbers one, it's like, Roberto kind of, like, out Rutolos the Rutolos, super aggressive, and he just wins the scrambles. And you know, it's man, I mean, he subbed man, dude, in the last match. If he if he can get that, if he can polish up that leg lock defense, he could be a, he could be right up there for seventy seven too. Oh um, yeah, but uh, Nikki Ryan's a fascinating name, especially. I'd love to see Nikki versus JT, just like Nikki JT ooh, first round. That would be great. That would be great. So Nikki's in seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh that's, man. That's officials. So it's hard yeah. to predict too and without Lachlan the brackets. Auckland's in there. Wow. Okay. That's a crazy bracket. It's insane, you know. And all these guys are super exciting, except JT. I'm not. I'm not a fan of JT. Okay. I hate watching JT grapple. I know. I know. I know. We've talked about this, but off yeah. the air, I know you've told me this off the air before. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest JT fan. Um, he seems like a cool dude, but again, just like stylistically, when I watch him, like I'm really, really hoping he doesn't win it the third time. Like I'm like super. I don't even care of all those names I just listed. I just have one. Anybody it. else? Yes. I think, dude. I think Gary has a shot too. So I'll, Gary Tonin, I'll I'll say this. Last year, I was I told people I was like Gary is gonna medal, and they were like, "You're crazy." He's been doing MMA. He's not on the jujitsu scene like that. I'm like, all right. So the big thing at ADCC is wrestling 
is such a big factor. And I was like, that's what he's been training for MMA. I was like, the MMA aspect is going to help him. And that's what he, he did more wrestling, like more top game stuff. And he, you know, did better than he'd ever, he ever did. His matches with JT have gotten closer. I, I think Gary can, I don't know. I think Gary is a, is a dark horse pick for, uh, no, for 77. I, I just want to see Gary have a match with all three of those dudes. If he wins it to me, it's like, I want to see him start with like Roberto, then right into Mika and then a match with Cade. I just, I, I, say, I want Gary Cade, dude. I want to see Gary versus dude, Cade. Gary Cade would probably be the, the best grappling match of all time. I, I mean, I can't imagine how that wouldn't deliver and turn into the best grappling match of all time but it'd be fireworks you know you've got colabate like that's the big story there he looked amazing and won probably the most not probably he won the most stacked trials ever beat keith Gregorian in the finals but i mean the kid is incredible i've been learning uh learning a lot from him um I, i've Dude. been watching him a ton and watching some of his instructionals and stuff and him you know, teach online but you know, do you think he's got a chance? I mean, it's him, Mikey Michi, Gabriel Souza. Oh. Um, I could see like uh, I could see like Kennedy Masiel and like Colabate, and the you know two like really young guys like that maybe in the finals. I think I I hope Keith Krikorian either gets invited or wins West Coast Trials. Uh, I think Keith could go super deep. I'm gonna assume he's gonna be there. I I just got a feeling he'll be there. I think Keith is gonna really. I think Keith is looking like how Gordon looked before Gordon rose to where he is. Like early stage Gordon, I think I'm seeing stuff from Keith that reminds me of that. Um, I think uh, I think Johnny Grippo has a great shot. He's mm-hmm. been doing a lot more Nogi stuff and looking really good. Um, he's in there, right? No, they haven't gotten invited yet. I can't imagine Johnny and Keith not getting invited. Okay, I mean, okay. There's still a bunch of invites to go out and I mean, especially Kisa, I mean, three straight second places and just absolutely stacked trials. Yeah, so. I, I think you're probably going to disagree with me on this too, but I think, I think Ryan Hall has a, has a good shot to go deep. If he's, if he's still in the bracket when the time it shows up. No, no, no. I, I, okay, I completely okay. agree. No, I think, I think Ryan for sure. Um, to me, Ryan versus Mikey would be the match I'd want to see. Oh, that would be good. Ryan Mikey just with the 50, 50. And I would just love to see, um, one of those guys lose, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, that's their game. Like Ryan, okay. nobody can beat me 50, 50, even though I know tons of people, I actually just talked to a guy last week that just got done training with Ryan. And he was like, no, nah, it's top pressure. It is like, dude. I've trained with Ryan a ton and his, it's his, like his mount and his top pressure. And I feel like Ryan would go in there and everybody would think he's going to do leg locks. And then he's like wrestling top pressure and everybody and throwing people for a loop. Like I could, I could see him doing that. That's, that's uh but i but i don't know i always think he's gonna do that in the ufc and then it doesn't tend to play out that way too so you know i don't know brian's ryan's ryan right you just don't know what to expect from him when you think you you kind of know what to expect he comes with some you know crazy new technique um so that'll be in a crazy storyline um i'm really interested in your thoughts though on nicholas marigali right marigali making a, a switch to new wave, which just who saw that coming? I, I mean, who could have predicted Nicholas Marigali joining new wave? What, what, what weight class would he be in? He's going to be in the 99. So he'll be in okay. the underneath Gordon real quick before we get there. You got any thoughts on 88? 
Um, on eighty-eight, oh, man. I mean, Craig is Craig has looked really suspect. Honestly, a guy that I I think has a I mean, Ty Rutolo, right? Oh, Ty's in eighty-eight. Okay. And honestly, I've loved watching Lucas Barboza recently. Okay. I feel like Lucas Barboza is a super dark horse. And of all the guys, like he gave Gordon a really, really, really tough match uh, at that last ADCC. I really think Hulk Did. could. He was like his probably toughest match there. Oh, easily. I mean, he honestly just like, he just couldn't mat return Gordon. I mean, he had Gordon's back, you know, he had a rear body lock on Gordon and he just, I mean, he was just picking Gordon up and, and tossing him around. He just could not score the points. But I mean, if it came down to a ref's decision, you know, the points like, and obviously they would have went to an OT and everything, but I mean, Hulk was winning the majority of that match. Like he was getting to the better positions. And again, he got close to scoring, but Gordon, man, did an incredible switch into the 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 truck and then took the back and, and that's all she wrote but i mean that match was super close and i mean what he did to like uh william tackett that william you, oh you yeah first tag when hulk yeah i did 36 points on him yeah i think hulk man is a huge dark horse um him and tyree polo okay. um are kind of the two guys that that i'm looking at in that division i mean I do think Craig is getting slept on a little bit just because of his last couple performances. I think he's trying some new things and figuring some things out. But man, when I watch some training footage of him, his skill set is so ridiculously deep. Um, but 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 I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, well, and I think Mason Fowler too. Oh yeah, and Mason's a lot better too than he was last time. They had a close match last time. Mason's a guy that he, I mean, he's going to be very 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 difficult to beat very difficult to beat in ADCC rules. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And then for, and then for 99. So you asked about Marigali, uh, dude, I didn't see it coming either. This might sound kind of old school and like contradictory to me saying like, I'm with all the sub only like the young cats coming up, but, um, I don't know, dude, I can see Marigali having enough of that. Like, old school, the guys that can mostly do gi. And I think if he just focuses on no gi between now and ADCC, I think that uh, that's enough time for given his like fundamentals and his game is not like super wacky or anything. I feel like he does a lot of stuff that translates well between gi and no gi. And I don't, I don't see him having to make like a ton of crazy adjustments. I could see Marigali doing really well. Yeah, and 99 looks to be the, to be the weakest, and it's crazy that you know you're saying that, but it's because you know you've got Yuri Samoas in there and like Tim Spriggs and Vinny, but I mean those are the old guard. I, I haven't been too impressed with any of those guys' recent performances. I, I mean I know Tim Spriggs won the Who's Number One heavyweight, but I didn't think he looked that good in, in that Who's Number One. I don't know if I saw I, I don't know if I saw um, his matches in that. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, people don't pay attention to the heavyweight stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just once it gets over like, you know, middleweight, medium, heavy, I just kind of don't pay as much attention. I can, for better or worse. I completely understand. I mean, I definitely don't study like heavyweight. Gra I mean, I don't watch like heavyweight grappling unless it's Gordon. Yeah. You know, if it's not Gordon Ryan, I, I don't really pay too much attention to it. Um, Same. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like Lovato's invited back, and I think this will be. Um, um, Dude, I would I, like to see Lovato get it. It's the only major title he doesn't have, and I think he probably like in terms of just all around, you know, gi 
Nogi like kind of doing everything is like maybe the most accomplished American, you know, jujitsu guy as far as like worlds, pans, Nogi world. I think he's won every title besides ADCC. I'd like to see Lovato get it based on all the names you said if he's in there. Yeah, I I, th- I think so. I've watched him um, really struggle the past couple of times I've seen him compete. I know uh, I watched him uh, with uh, Gilbert Burns. Like Gilbert beat him pretty. Oh yeah, that yeah that was a good pass like, that Gilbert hit there. It was sick. It was beautiful. So I I I'm not feeling too highly on Lovato. I think like Kynan and and Marigali are probably the two guys I'm looking at to do the best. Okay. So we'll see. And then obviously the, the over 99. I mean, you've got Nick Rodriguez, Gordon Ryan, Felipe Pena, Victor Hugo, Jao Rocha. I mean, uh, Gutenberg Piera looked amazing at his trials, like when he went just like leg locked everybody. But I mean, Gordon's the guy. Like, do you think, I mean, is you, Gordon going to get gold? Do you think? I'm not betting against him. It, it, I mean, I want to see Gordon lose again before I bet against him. You know, I I think that he beats Pena if they go a third time uh, because the way he lost the first two matches, it was just like this very specific where he's got like the saddle or cross Ashi 411, but I don't know whatever people call it now. But when you let go of the second leg to get that heel hook, he just in that specific transition is where he kind of lost both times. And I don't even think he would try that a third time. I thought he was dominating the rematch that they had, you know, until that moment, you know, so I just, and then plus, I, I mean, I haven't even seen Pena compete very much since the last time, you know, they had a match. Are, I mean, are you, are you interested in a, a third match between them or do you even um, really care a lot at this point? Felipe is the best gi guy in the world right now. I mean, he obviously won worlds, the moon mm-hmm. at absolute. Um, he's only competed in the gi. I'm not interested in a Gordon Felipe match. Um, I'm not that interested either, bro. I, I and Gordon is like 40 pounds heavier than those matches too. You know, Gordon has put on significant size and weight. His game's completely changed. I, I think it's a pretty. And the only match I'm interested in is just like Nick Rodriguez. Like I want to see some interested versus B team. Like I want to see Nicky Ryan versus Gary Tony. Like I want to see some of these like rivalries pay uh, play out. You know, like hey, let's see like. Old squad versus new squad. Oh, Ethan Krellinson is in there too, dude. Yeah. He confirmed, uh, I think, last week that because he was in there last time and won the trials and, like, was out due to injury, he's already invited this time. Yeah. Well, and, so he's going to be in one of them too. He's kind of got a soft spot for those guys. You know, he loves the the Dana Harris team. You know, I mean, he's brought them out to his mansion, you know, like in Puerto Rico and everything. And, and um, he definitely takes care of those guys. And rightfully so. I mean, I, I'm really happy. Yeah. One of my favorite grapplers to watch. Um, so I'm definitely happy Ethan's gonna get his shot at you know ADCC because I mean it was it was a huge, huge, huge bummer when he had to pull out last time. So I'm glad Mo's doing that. But I mean, I think ADCC this year has again it has a chance to truly change the landscape of professional grappling. I mean, we talk, you know, we've talked a lot, um, you know, we've talked really about the whole history of ADCC, you know, from when it was in Abu Dhabi to where it's gonna be in Vegas. What would be a successful show to you? Like, what in your mind like would make a perfect ADCC? Uh, I, I, what I want to see the most actually is the young, the young blood really stepping up, and not necessarily getting like 
they don't even have to get gold medals if guys like Mika and Cade and uh, Cole Abate is some of these guys. If they don't get gold, if they're just on the podium and looking really strong on the way there, I think I'll feel just like really excited about the the direction of the sport. Um, I was super excited after the trials. I know we've just been talking about the big show and not the trials, but I thought this East Coast trials that we had in November was one of the top five most top three maybe most fun grappling events I've watched in I don't know how long. I just thought it was like such a versatile display of different skills and styles and it wasn't just like one style that was winning and it's a bunch of young fresh uh, energy to it and um, I don't know I kind of like I kind of like that the sport seems to be trending you know I think we're seeing all these kids that are They've been training their whole life and they're starting to hit adulthood now. You know, kids that have started training at five, six, seven years old that are like 18 to 22 now. And I think our sport is going to get younger and more energized. And uh, I think it's going to be in Vegas. So I would, you know, I would just like to see a show that has like the kind of the spectacle and the loud full crowd. And um, man, if the matches are exciting, I think it can just really push the sport forward you know if we don't end up with like a 2015 2013 situation i think if it's even just like 2019 you know i think if you ran that same show again i think it would get a lot of people interested in the sport and just real i almost don't see how it can be bad but um um yeah i'm just i'm 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 really excited it's like the most i've been excited overall about the sport in a long time i'm really really happy with where um like how everything is trending. Well, how, how about you? I, I got to say that um, for me, it's just going to be about the upsets. Uh, okay. I, I want to see, you know, a guy like Gordon Ryan get beat. You know, I want to see some of these rivalries take place. I want to see, um, you, you know, maybe Colabate make history and become the youngest to win 80s. You see, I, yeah. I want to see the new blood um, and, and maybe like one or two vets go out there and show maybe like, like you said, like a Lovato or a Lucas or, okay. exactly like a Lucas Lepre go out there and win gold. I know? don't want to see a bunch of people win that have won a bunch already. I, I just, I want to see submissions too. I want to see somebody go four for four, all submissions, or maybe even that, you know, eight for eight, double gold, you know, all subs that or, so, or, or someone like Ty, like subbing through the division and then doing the absolute and like subbing yeah. a bunch of people there too. Yeah, something like right. that, like a breakout performance. And, and that, you know, the Lachlan Giles story to me, that, you know, he loses to Lucas Lepre in the first round and he goes in the absolute. I mean, I would have given him, I would have easily taken a bet of like somebody was like, hey, like $5,000. Like, okay, like that's a ton of money, but I'm confident there's no way that Lachlan Giles gets a bronze in the absolute division. And I would have lost that money. So I'm hoping for another story like that. Just, yeah, yeah, somebody that didn't do well in their division and they come and have just an incredible performance in the absolute. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And when are the West Coast trials? It's like next month, right? April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like April yeah. 4th or something like that. So hopefully I, I think I should be out there for that. And um, West Coast trials are always like there's even more people because it is the last shot at ADCC. So I'm expecting insane brackets. So we'll see. I know like Keith Kerkorian and, and um, a bunch of guys like that are going to be, I mean, I've talked to Keith. He's like, he can't wait. 
Yeah, I'm stoked, dude. I want him to win. I want him to win real bad. He's yeah. probably the guy I'm rooting for the hardest. I, I completely, completely agree. Well, dude, we just did uh, an hour and three minutes talking just about ADCC. Uh, was fun, man. man. Absolute pleasure. Um, I know people are going to love this. We got to do this again, man. We got to pick a topic and just kind of rant, you know, and All right. uh, talk. I'll, and I'll, I'll be out there again soon. Also, get, last time you had me on, I didn't have my podcast going yet. Can I just plug the name of it? Oh, of course, dude. Yeah. All right. Tell people if like, anyone wants to listen to the, the Neon Belly podcast, N-E-O-N Belly, a little play on words. Um yeah, I you know usually have something out every Monday, Tuesday. It's like weekly for now. Sometimes I get two out a week or so. But um, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna try to talk about the WNO before that happens on there. And um, yeah, and yeah, I'll be out again your way and, and train soon. Nice man. Well, um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this episode, and hopefully we can get Drew back on here ASAP. Till next time, guys. Later. All right.